Hello, and welcome to Brahms Show. We are finishing up the series, Why Christians Must Be Right, a book written, and in this case, poorly, but read, by Brahm French. Conclusion. Honestly, there are too many critical issues and too many eradicated liberties to address in this one book. As I write, there are more laws being passed, more regulations being imposed, and more freedoms being stifled. Therefore, instead of trying to address every new intrusion on our liberties in the conclusion of this book, I'll let Paul speak about his beliefs on the topic of liberty. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes about liberty and the law when he says, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. He continues, Ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. In other words, the things Christians do are done because God has moved our hearts, not because he has forced us to obey some set of laws. Paul writes, Such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Basically, Paul means that we can put our trust in God through Christ Jesus. Not because there is anything great about us, but because there is everything great about God. We could not accomplish anything on our own, but through Him, we are more than conquerors. Paul reminds the Corinthians that God also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. According to Paul, the letter, also known as the law, kills. However, the Spirit gives life. In America, we need fewer laws and more of His Spirit. If we had more of His Spirit, we would not need many of our current laws. America is in need of a modern-day Great Awakening. I pray I will be used even in a small way in America's coming Great Revival. Paul discusses the difference between the Old and New Testaments. He refers to the Old Testament as the ministration of death. He says that it was written and engraved on stone, and though it was glorious for the time, the New Testament's ministration of the Spirit exceeds the law in glory. In other words, the law of Moses was a gift of, to God's people when it was needed. But Christ brought a better law. The new law is not one written on stones, but written on our hearts. When the law was written in stone, man could go into darkness of night, and in the shadows he could indulge in sin. However, when the law is written on our hearts, it is impossible to escape. God continues to tug and pull until sin is relinquished. Paul wrote about the freedom we have in Jesus. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Paul has given us one of the best reasons to pursue a renewal of the Spirit of God in America. Wherever His Spirit is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord resides, there is the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to pursue happiness. The liberation brought by God's presence in the hearts of His people is detrimental to the agenda of those on the left. 
progressives must, therefore, change the context of the discussion. Those of the progressive movement tell us that there are no absolutes. As Bible-believing Christians, we are a threat to the proliferation of the message of the left because God and His Word are very clear. If we hold to God's unchanging truths, we realize the Bible does not change in order to fit into our culture. Instead, God's Word explains that God expects us to change to fit into His parameters. Similarly, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, which I believe were divinely inspired, are not to change to fit into the ideology professed by a particular administration, but those who govern must change their actions to fit into the parameters of the Constitution and the founding documents. This principle alone gives great insight into the perceived danger posed by Christianity to those on the left in America. Like the Bible, the United States Constitution is clear. The Bible and the Constitution are still black and white, even when they are abandoned, when they are twisted, when they are unread. Unfortunately, the Bible, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence have for the most part been unread by the majority of the American people. The lack of knowledge about these documents explains why misquotes from the Bible and from our founding documents lead people to believe untruths about what both documents say and what they do not say. If the general public read the Bible and the founding documents, the progressives' ability to alter the meanings of words in public discourse would be squelched. As it is, though, the left is able to use people's lack of knowledge, groupthink, and political correctness to change the arguments. Those who stand against their agenda are ridiculed. Progressives have recently turned things upside down in government and politics. We are told that all good things come from government, and there is a proper order in which things should flow. Their mantra is that power begins in Washington, and flows to the state capital and then to the county and local governments. The progressive ideal for the order in which power should flow is the opposite of what was designed by the founders of this great nation. Furthermore, the progressive belief in the origination of power in the government flowing to the people is contrary to true liberty. Liberty does not come from the government, but from God. Power does not come from some centralized locale, but from the people. The proper flow of power in keeping with our liberties would be that God empowers the individual. The individual empowers the county and local governments. A combination of the individual and the county and the local governments empower the state government, which then empower the federal government. In other words, the federal government is the servant of the state government. The state government is the servant of the county and local governments. The county and local governments are the servants of the individual, and the individual is the servant of God. America is unique in that our founders believed in a national sovereignty that began with God as the endower of all rights and the individual. The individual, in turn, entrusts some authority to government. The sovereignty of the individual is not endowed by government which grants individual power based on their social position or class. 
The latter method would leave powerless those individuals whom the government found unworthy based on race, religion, sex, or any other attribute that those in power chose. However, because sovereignty begins with the individual and flows upward from there, all are to be treated equally under the law. Our founders' core belief in the individual sovereignty, which they recorded in the founding documents, as well as in their auxiliary writings, led to freedom from slaves and women's suffrage, among other things. A breach in the sovereignty of any American is an affront to the sovereignty of us all. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus was approached by a Roman centurion who had a servant lying sick at home from palsy. Jesus told the centurion that he would go to his home and perform a miracle. The centurion responded, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. His next words are very insightful. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. Jesus was amazed by this man's understanding and declared that he had not seen such faith in all of Israel. The centurion's wisdom is revealed upon closer examination. By remarking that he was a man under authority, he revealed his understanding of the fact that as a public official, he was a servant of the people. This concept is lost by many people in places of authority today. It has been lost by many pastors, ministers, politicians, police officers, teachers, and judges. Those entrusted by the people to leadership positions should not be viewed as being in, in a higher position than others, but as people who are humbled beneath the responsibility of authority. If you are under authority, you are to serve those who are in your care. You are to be their servant. In Germany, during the trials of some of the Nazi leaders who ruled with Hitler, the excuse was given that they were only enforcing the law as part of their job. Thankfully, they were still found guilty and sentenced to death. Today, we hear those exact same words echoed by those in authority here in America. When we are told to empty our pockets, take off our shoes, remove our belts, and then are forced to watch as our children are touched by strangers before boarding an airplane, we are told that they are only doing their job. When the police set up checkpoints and stop us without just cause while we are trying to get to our destination, we are told that they are only doing their job. If your job requires you to abandon the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, if your job asks you to violate the rights of another individual, you will be held accountable by God, if not by men. If this describes you and your job, be a better American and quit. Find a job that does more than swears to uphold the Constitution, then forsakes it. Find a career that honors every American and his or her God-given rights. As government continues to expand into more and more of our lives, I dream of the possibility that one day there will be a law requiring every bill that is brought before Congress to reference the part of the Constitution that permits the new law. 
I would be even happier, or I would be even happy if each new law passed automatically included a sunset requirement. Wouldn't it be great if most laws passed by Congress would require to be reconsidered every few years? Why does it seem that sunset clauses are only attached to tax cuts? Why do tax hikes never have an expiration date? The answer is painfully obvious to me. The government has an insatiable appetite for our money. When tax cuts are posed, proposed politicians act like they are being forced to go on a diet. Continuing with this metaphor, a sunset clause makes the diet more palatable by showing them when they will be allowed to eat, what and when they want again. The government not only wants us wants off the diet, but wants more food than is in the refrigerator. Just think of the possibilities of a sunset requirement for every new law. Not only would the laws expire, but the politicians would have to defend the law every time they came up for another vote. The sunset requirement would require would in, ensure that though we'll try that again. The sunset requirement would ensure that there would be no difference between the politics practice in election years versus non-election year politics in Washington D.C. Congressmen would have to support or rescind sunsetting laws passed every year. If Congress votes to take more of our liberties away with no new laws or, or does not rescind old liberty infringing laws, the voters would be more likely to remember and remove the offending politicians from office. Examples of laws that reduce our liberties and which should be re reconsidered often concern health care, seat belts, light bulbs, and other regulations which restrict the rights of the people who are doing no harm to their neighbors. When will the American people decide we've had enough? When will we speak with one loud voice and say, Give me back my liberty. Give me back my freedom. We were told that we needed to give up some of our freedom because of the war on terror. However, now we are told that the war on terror is over, or at least coming to an end, and there is no talk of giving back the liberties that were stolen. How right was Benjamin Franklin when he said those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety? I struggled in my heart and mind about whether to write this book and to seek to have it published. Being a pastor, I heard and listened to those people around me who said politics does not belong in the church. Many believe pastors have no business speaking out about politics from the pulpit. However, as I began to look around, I realized there were almost no pastors speaking up for true Christian American principles, the Judeo-Christian values upon which our country was founded. The pastors who have spoken up have been demonized by the left and their allies in the mainstream media for the purpose of creating fear in the remainder of us, thus keeping us quiet. As I considered the fear that was dwelling inside of me, I was forced to ask myself a question. If I don't speak up, who will? If not now, when? If you don't speak up, who will? If not now, when? It was Edmund Burke who said, All that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Well, it is time for good, decent men and women across this nation to stand against the onslaught of propaganda being fed to us and fed to our next generation. It's time for us as Christian Americans to do something. 
I believe this nation is still full of good, God-fearing men and women when they realize the challenges of the day will rise to the cause of liberty. It was said America is great because she is good. If America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. For the record, I still believe most Americans hold dear the values that made this nation great. It is time for us to shake off the new taskmaster called government and return to the liberty and freedom that God outlined in his word and promised our forefathers.